0: Welcome to Real Estate Investing Abundance, the show for busy, fulfilled professionals like you to learn how to develop financial independence built on solid, passive real estate investments. Now, here is your host, Dr. Alan Lomax. Hello, enlightened investors, and welcome back to the show. We have a delightful conversation today on how, if you're younger than 30, you can become a millionaire before you're 30 and how we can do that within less than three years. J.D. Sestar is better known as the finance cowboy in the digital world, and J.D. was able to amass a net worth of over $1 million by the age of 30 by investing in single-family home real estate. So, J.D., take us into the show and share A key moment in your life that helped you to be who you are today.
1: Thank you for having me. I would say a key moment for me, and I don't remember the exact time, is I was probably 11 or 12 years old, and I had done something at home, I guess, that I don't know if I procrastinated or didn't do what I was supposed to do. But I remember my dad telling me, son, you can either start paying now and playing later, or you can play now and you can pay later. Mm-hmm. And uh, he he ended up repeating that to me, you know, many times throughout my adolescence, and he he even does it, you know, now as an adult. <laughs> And it, it really stuck with me in everything I did, you know, at the time, you know, you had school at that age and I was really pushing in my baseball career. And, you know, it, it was like, Hey, do I want to play around and not put in the work that needs to be done to go play college baseball, or do I want to pay now so I can play and reach my goals? And I, you know, that was kind of the first step with athletics. And then I just carried that into adulthood, into my first career and into entrepreneurship, real estate investing. And, and here we are now. So it's a motto that's really shaped me and helped me achieve what I have. Have in life so far
0: now, that is so critical and so many of us forget that and i certainly didn't come to the realization that that's kind of the way life works until i was much much older so i was not a millionaire by 30 years of age because i like to play well and i paid later so, <laughs> <As you laughs> I paid, and I paid, and I paid. <laughs> Tell us about uh, single-family long-term rentals as a foundation for an investment portfolio.
1: They are my favorite type of real estate. If you're building a foundation as you know a single investor, if you're doing it with a partner with a buddy, I love. The thought of long-term rentals. So, to be fair, I have short-term rentals. I've had multifamily. I had still own some mobile homes in my portfolio. But when we look at building that foundation, I think it's hard to beat single-family homes uh, from an investment standpoint. And there's a couple reasons: is they're they're easier to get into from you know a mortgage standpoint. So banks love lending to single-family homes. If you buy in the right area, they're going to cash flow, and you normally get good, stable family. A lot of time tenants want to live in a home instead of an apartment complex. So so now you've got that stable tenant. And then when we look at an exit strategy, just when you're comparing... You know a single-family home to maybe a mobile home or a multi-family a multi-family or mobile home you're probably going to be limited in who you can sell that property to so a lot of times a multi-family you're probably going to end up selling that to another investor mobile home probably the same thing even then it's going to depreciate over time whereas the single-family home when you do go to exit not only could you sell it to other investors but you have this entire market of retail buyers who will be looking for homes too and so you know when you're laying that foundation i think those those things are key to set you up for long-term success.
0: You're talking about these as long-term rentals, but you also do Airbnb. Compare the two long-term Airbnb pluses and minuses of both of those areas.
1: And this could this could be a whole episode in itself. So I will try to keep it brief. Long-term rentals, in my opinion, they're going to be more stable, but they're not going to give you as big a returns. And most of the time, as far as cash flow, and then most of the time. They're probably not going to appreciate as much as an Airbnb. The only reason being is most of the time Airbnbs are going to be in a little more desirable area than a long-term rental. And so we've got the easier to manage, easier to get into, you know, but as far as long-term, but it may, you know, may not return as much. And then we go switch over to Airbnbs, where your cash flow returns could be substantially higher. Your appreciation over time could be substantially higher depending on where you buy. But when it comes to operating an Airbnb. And when we just look at the volatility of Airbnb, it's a totally different world. It's very hands-on. You can automate a lot of stuff. And you know, with mine, we've automated a lot, but you still can't automate when a guest asks certain questions that is specific to somebody has to answer them, right? You're having to manage a cleaning team. What happens when your guest gets in at 11 PM, they've been traveling all day and your cleaning team drops the ball and they walk in at 11 PM and the house is dirty. You have to handle that. You're getting that call. Your property manager is getting that call. Well, then that, if you don't handle it correctly and you don't maybe compensate them or work with them somehow, is going to lead to a bad review. And you live and die off of reviews in the Airbnb space because your future bookings are going to be based on what your past guests say. And then we can go as far to look at things like COVID-19. Who would ever saw that coming? But when they shut down travel, well, guess what? Airbnbs were done for a while. Now, luckily it wasn't very long in the U.S., but it could have been longer, and if you don't have the cash reserves to take care of that, then you could have run into a big problem. And then the last thing is we look at regulations. You know, and regulations can happen to long term rentals too, but they're, they happen more often in the short term rental space. So if you don't buy in the right spot, or you know, new uh, politicians come in and they have an idea what, how they want to regulate it, you can really get hit with fees, or they could totally stop allowing short term rentals altogether. So. With all that said, I think long-terms are more stable. That's why I said I like building a foundation with them, but your returns aren't as great. If you don't mind a little bit of volatility, I think there's a place for Airbnbs in the portfolio because of the returns.
0: I have a question because I was just doing a little bit of investigation in terms of Airbnb and looking at it in our neighborhood here, which is a, a tourist area and a tourist destination. I was just looking at rental rates for Airbnbs in our area and I was shocked to find that you could rent an Airbnb for a night. You could rent a three-bedroom, two-bath home for the cost of a motel room, a nice hotel room in our area here. So I'm thinking, what's going on here? And I'm, and I'm thinking, I hear everybody's going into Airbnb these days, and anybody can do it. If you have a garage apartment, you can open up an Airbnb. And so I'm looking at those rental rates and going, this is utterly ridiculous. How are you going to make this cash flow at these low rates? And it looks to me like, at least in our area, that it's just becoming saturated. And then I was also looking at their availability as I I was going through these different sites here. And most of them that I was looking at, they had 50% vacancies through June. And I'm thinking, my gosh, this is top tourist season. Why are you not booked up? And in and in July, they were still having vacancies even into July. So, what's mm-hmm. your take on that?
1: I think you got to be very strategic on where you buy, especially like you brought up. When I first got into the game with Airbnbs, even just three years ago, it wasn't near as crowded. And it definitely has gotten more crowded. You know, everybody hears about it. There's been easy access. Everybody can get it as a second home loan, only put 10% down. And like you said, when that happens, it drives the price down and i think we're seeing that a lot in like you're saying i'm not sure exactly where you're at but more tourist areas i think are taking that hit more than vacation destinations you know and some can go hand in hand but a tourist area you know i'm thinking like nashville or you know chicago anywhere where people want to go visit compared to by the beach or in the mountains those i haven't seen in my network with people i know affected as much as The ones that are more just the the towns or the cities, they are taking a little more of a hit because there's so much supply now with Airbnb. Mm -hmm. And so people are having to lower their prices. And, you know, like you're saying, when you do that, you you start to wonder, how are these people even, you know, breaking Mm -hmm. even, uh, you know, (laughs) much less cash flowing? So I think it's something you got to look out for. You really got to do your due diligence before you go in and buy one. Cause the last thing you want to do is run a, a strict investment property based on what you project Airbnb numbers to be, which would probably be more than long-term. And then you not be able to hit those and then have to turn it into a long-term rental, which isn't going to get
0: anywhere near those numbers. And then you're stuck with a lemon. And uh, that's not a good place to be. Yeah, well, we, I mean, we are, uh, I called it a tourist, but I guess you would define it as vacation. We're in the mountains where- we're 15 minutes from the Blue Ridge Parkway and 30 minutes from the Great Smoky Mountain National Park. And uh, we're about uh, an hour from Gatlinburg, an hour from Dollywood. We're in you know, the heart of that vacation area there. So, I, I mean, I was really surprised at the suppression of the rates there.
1: And prices have skyrocketed. I live not far from you. I, I work there you know, I don't know exactly whether you're, you know, Waynesville or, you know, somewhere in that area, but I'm, I'm all in, the, in that area all the time and beautiful area. But yeah, it's it, not only is it saturated with Airbnbs now, but the price of the homes in a lot of those places has
0: just, when you combine the two, it's yeah. made it tough. It's made yeah, it tough. definitely is there. Well, interesting conversation there. Well, JD, you just briefly touched on a bit of the analysis of Airbnbs, but take us into that in a little bit more detail.
1: As far as should you buy one, should you not buy one? Should we
0: buy, should we not, yes.
1: Yeah, I think I use and I also offer, it's on my Instagram page if you guys want to go get it. It is a rental property calculator. And whether I'm buying an Airbnb, whether I'm buying a long-term rental, I, I use this for every property to run all the numbers because you can take what you need to look for. And I'll talk about that here in a second, plug it in. and It's going to spit out what the cash flow is, what the cap rate is, what the cash on cash return is. It's going to give you projections for the next 20, 30 years. And so to get those projections, you got to know all of the details. So you need to know when you start, what's this home worth? You know, What are the comps in the area? What should I be paying for this? what can it rent for? What's my mortgage going to be? What's my interest rate going to be? What's the length of my mortgage? What are taxes, insurance, maintenance, vacancy rates, property management, HOAs? And then if you have to cover utilities, which you're going to have to cover those in an Airbnb market where you wouldn't have to do that most of the time in a long-term market if it's single family. So you're going to have to... What is my cable going to be? What is my power going to be? What is my water going to be? What's landscape going to be if it's not included in the HOA and things of that nature? So you got to got to go down this list, this checklist, and make sure that these numbers are correct and don't cheat yourself, you know, be very conservative with them. And and you can find a lot of this information, you know, mortgage and mortgage rates, you can be able to talk to lenders, you know, people, people often wonder, how do I know how much it's going to rent for? Well, I think number one is do like you did. You hop on Airbnb and say, what are these people charging per night? And what are their vacancies? That's good, uh, you know, indication there. And then there's also a resource, AirDNA, that'll give you a lot of information information on uh, what rents are in a certain area, average vacancies. And then you could always call property managers in that area. People have been doing it for years and say, hey, I'm looking at buying a property. Don't know what I'm going to do with management. What's the rents going to be for this? And in uh, and that way, same thing with insurance, call an agent, You know, taxes, you can look it up on the tax records. So you just really want to dive in and do the due diligence
0: and you know, make sure you know your numbers before you ever pull the trigger. Well, you mentioned uh, just briefly Instagram. So, J.D., what are the other uh, sources and ways that we can get in touch with you?
1: So Instagram is going to be at Finance Cowboy. TikTok is at the Finance Cowboy. Somebody had already stole Finance Cowboy. Uh, YouTube is going to be Finance Cowboy. And then you can also go to my website, financecowboy.com. And those are the main ways I am. Uh, I'm very active on all uh, Instagram, you know, has, has been my largest platform, but I, I take the content there and put it on the others. So whichever one you prefer, you'll find me.
0: J.D., tell us about networking. How do you go about that? And why is that so critical to your real estate endeavors?
1: I know networking opens doors that wouldn't be open if you did not do it. I know in my personal experience, I, everybody pretty much that I come in contact with, I let them know that I buy real estate. Hey, if you hear of a property come up, let me know. If you hear anybody struggling and you know, they're gonna go in foreclosure, tell them to call me. I'd love to help them out. If you see a vacant home, you know, I talk to locksmiths and let them know. I talk to realtors if they run across, you know, everybody. And I think, I think that's huge. I think it's good, you know, and I, I personally just honestly don't do it as much as I should. I think it's good to go to networking events, real estate clubs locally. And then I love networking on social media. It has been social media has been huge for me, uh, you know, growing my platform and my brand but more so just meeting so many people. And if you take the time to do it and just chat with people, people will talk with you. That's the beautiful thing about it. And so not only is it going to give you access to more deals, but it'll give you access to lenders. It'll give you strategies, give you partners. And those things are going to come in handy at some point with, you know, within your investing career.
0: J.D., you did all of this in a three-year period of time, went from nothing to a millionaire. And you did this before the age of 30. Obviously, You were working rather than playing and took your father's uh, advice in conjunction with this, but take us down that path. Tell us exactly how you went about that.
1: When I graduated college, I knew I had to go to work. You know, nobody wants to, you just been at, you know, I looked at college as a summer camp, you know, it was almost four years of summer camp. I was getting to play baseball. It was, it was amazing, but I had to go to work and my major was communications. Just, I had to get a degree while I was at school but I knew I enjoyed hanging out with, and talking with people. And my uncle, he kept urging me. He's like, why don't you, you know, do something with sales? So I started out of college and I started at a company called Centos. And it is the uniform company. I actually started on a truck, driving a big box truck, delivering di- clean uniforms, picking up people's dirty uniforms, floor mats, urinal cakes, It was quite the job, but it taught me a lot about business, and I had a lot of success within my first year. And I become a trainee. I was second in the entire region in sales just on this little route, and I was having a lot of success. And because I would take had taken the work ethic and discipline from sports and just put it into business. And one thing getting off track here that I've learned in life is most people don't work hard; they really don't, and they don't do what they say they're going to do, and they don't just kind of go the extra mile. And I learned really quick. I was like, "Wow, if I just..." go a little bit harder than everybody else. I can really jump the ladder. It was so much easier than sports because everybody was pretty much getting after it, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I was like, and I'm getting paid while I'm doing this. It was great. I was hopping, I was hopping right into it. But I remember I was on the truck It was hot. I was in Charleston, South Carolina at the time, and it was just scorching. I was like, man, I hate this part of the job. Like I hate this, the manual labor part of it, but I really like growing my route. I'd grown my route substantially, like adding mm-hmm. products to these customers And I said, I need to get in sales full time. And so I went to our our folks, told them I wanted to transition in sales, started getting into sales with CentOS, and then got an opportunity to to eventually expand into pharmaceuticals and now medical device sales, which I still do full time. And so I I say, I I lay this foundation for where I'm going with this as if you're going to, if you are going to, grow the the type of wealth that I, have, I was able to so quickly is you are going to have to scale your income at somehow. You got to find a skill that you can do that can scale that income. For me, it was sales. It doesn't have to be sales. You could do it within real estate, such as wholesaling or being an agent or flipping homes, which I've done um, but but I was able to scale my income. And so I started investing in real estate in 2018. And so this is when you know I really, really went from... I had a negative net worth in 2018. It was like negative $10,000 to my buddy kept pushing me. My best friend, he got into real estate right when we got out of college. He said, you got to start buying rental properties. got to start buying rental properties. And so I worked hard. I'm with this med device company. I'm finally making... I'm making very good money. I decided a few years ago, it's like, hey, I'm going to get my finances and checks and my finances were pretty much in order. And so now it was like okay, I've got this good income and you know somebody listening to this or some folks on my social media about well it's easy to do with a, with a high income. I, I would say it is if you have discipline, but I work with people to this day who live paycheck to paycheck. And so my wife and I were smart enough we, we accumulated no debt. We kept pay, we drove beater, paid off cars and we took every dollar that I made for those 3 years, 18, 19 and 20 and we invested them into real estate. And I accumulated through myself and with partners in that time, it was 22 properties in three years. A lot of that was with our money that we put for down payments. I I took some private money and did some Burr method, which we can get into if you want to here in a little bit. Um, I flipped some homes and I built this strong portfolio. And then between appreciation, which we've obviously been on a very good run the last two years, I think that helped. Mixed with tenant buy down, uh, I looked three years after I started buying real estate, and I had grown a million dollar net worth off of those twenty two properties plus you know some retirement accounts and, and stocks and and you look back and I was like man, like it happens quick. And again, I had some market help with me, but because I just I threw every resource I had into investing instead of playing, uh, we look back and now we're like, we're 30 years old. We got three boys and we're in a very, very, very good position. And I'm thankful for what we've done over the last couple of years.
0: Working now and playing later certainly does pay off. And I just don't know if there's a way that you can do it. I suppose you could really hit the jackpot if you're just really, really, really lucky. Most people don't do that. And don't hit that jackpot, but thank you for laying that out j d for the fact that you were you had this really great income and yet you were driving beat up cars and living as economically as possible. I hear that over and over from all of the guests that I interview that they've had to go through that period of scarcity and really counting every uh, dollar and every cent. In fact, uh, just today, one of my earlier interviews uh, was telling me that once he realized that that was what was going to have to happen, he, he would argue with the cashier if they were one cent off on the price. And I have had to really realize that too, that if you're going to develop your wealth, you have to respect it. And that that was a hard lesson for me to learn in a lot of ways. But you mentioned Burr. I think a lot of our viewers and listeners know what that is. But for those who don't, uh, tell us what Burr is.
1: Burr is a method of buying real estate where you you buy it. A lot of times, it's with private money or with cash. Rehab it, rent it out. Refinance it, and then you repeat the process. And so essentially, what this allows you to do is accumulate properties without really having to tie up any of your money. And it's a great strategy. I love it. I will say, you know, and you can speak to this if you've seen this in your area, it's getting a little. Little tougher to do for two reasons. Interest rates are obviously getting a little higher. So if you're buying cash and you're refining it out, you need to make sure that you run your numbers based off of that refi because that's what you're going to be, you know, you're producing off of. And then banks have gotten a little strict lately with cash out refis, at least a few of the local ones that I've been working with. There's still banks that'll do it. It's just not quite as easy as it was when I was doing this, you know, in 19 and 20. So you just want to make sure, you know, anytime you're doing it, you have your ducks in a row, but it is a fantastic, Fantastic way to build a portfolio if you don't have a lot of cash. And you know, you know, my story was. I put a lot of my cash into it because I was making a good, good income and I wanted to deposit my cash elsewhere. But I know a number of folks who who don't, they don't have the income that we do. And they have built just huge, huge, huge portfolios off of the Burr method and off of other other different creative financing methods. So it comes down to, you know, how bad do you want to grow this wealth and build this wealth and portfolio? And then what do you what will you do to learn how to get it done and network to meet the right people to help you out?
0: Yeah, I highly recommend the Burr Method. Uh, I think it's one of the least riskiest ways uh, for particularly people just starting out because you can, particularly if you live in a rural area that has lax building codes and lax regulation in terms of the areas in which you live, you can purchase a fairly good size house and you can hack that up and you can rent out a portion of it and live in a portion of it and that's that's actually what I did to to begin with it's it's essentially it's risk free because you're going to be buying you're paying the mortgage anyway and and what I did I I bought single family homes and I divided them up into triplexes and so I was living rent free And the houses, so how how you know how much risk free risk free can you get than that kind of situation? Uh And you know, I'm financing it like a home that I'm living in because I am living in it. So you get the attractive uh, interest rates, uh, low low down payments. It's just a marvelous way to go if you're just starting out and you don't know the business. And you learn how to become a landlord. You learn how to leverage. It's a great way for Uh, beginners to begin there. Agreed. What are your last words of advice?
1: My last words of advice are, if you haven't got started, get started. I have been in your position. Uh, If you haven't bought your first property to where that fear of the unknown, fear of what's on the other side is very scary. I can remember it vividly. It wasn't that long ago when I was looking at my first deal in Greenville, South Carolina, and I was You know, I was so scared to pull the trigger. You know, I did. And as soon as I closed, uh, you know, I was like, wow, why was I so scared? You know, you start thinking, is somebody going to rent this out? Are they going to pay? Are they going to tear the house up? And, you know, while those things can happen, there's things in places to to keep those things from happening or mitigate the issues. The reward is way worth the risk. And so I just want to encourage you today get started. Because you'll look back and your life will be changed in you know four five six seven eight years from now because of the decisions to invest in real estate that you make today and then for you guys who've already started just keep going keep going look for deals there you know sometimes in, in this environment it can be a little more tough to buy them because the housing market's been been hot but there are still deals out there there's deals in my town that are still being found on zillow and the mls you know i'm still you know obviously off market deals are a great way to go but you know we're still finding them listed and so that's my key for you guys is get started if you're not and keep going if you are and you
0: know your future self is going to thank you enlightened investors i know you've enjoyed our show today and yes jd has wonderful advice work now play later and get started right now jd thank you so much for being with us
1: thank you for having me
0: Thank you for tuning in to Real Estate Investing Abundance brought to you by Steve Talker Capital, a company
1: working for passionate professionals like you to develop financial independence built on solid, passive real estate
0: investments.